we speak with one voice for everything and that no matter who of the two of us answers this is the truth and our communication so i i actually had two job sharing partners um first i did this for one and a half years with one colleague and then for one year with another colleague and um with with both of them really read after a short amount of time because we were involved in all the communication of the other person a high level of trust I am very happy to introduce my guest, Aaron Merlin DeFord today. Aaron will talk about many aspects of the future of work with me. From job sharing, taking extended parental leave as a dad, gender equality, as well as transferable skills from having lived in many different countries. Aaron is part of the management team of the Center of Digital Technology and Management while writing his PhD, focusing on social networks and social capital in entrepreneurial ecosystems. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Now, I would love to know, where are you calling in from? And is there a particular special local site or food you can tell our listeners about? Yes, so I'm calling in from Munich, Germany, and um, even though I try to eat less meat or almost no meat, I cannot say no to the famous Weißwurst Frühstück, um, the <laughs> white sausage that you eat here in Bavaria for breakfast. And it's really, it sounds weird, but it's just to try for everyone. I know, as I grew up in Munich myself, I know exactly what you mean. And my husband, who is American, he tried it as well. I tend to be mainly vegetarian, so I pass on that one. But I definitely, I like the pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Erin, could you give our listeners an overview of your professional background, please. Yes. Um, so I started studying 12 years ago and I did a program that's called European Business Program. And as the name says, it's, it was relatively international and I spent one and a half years in the UK and one and a half years in Germany. And then I licked blood, as we say in German, and I wanted to go abroad again. And also did my master's then in France with a little exchange in Switzerland and an internship in Barcelona. So I really tried to get around a little bit in uh, Europe for my studies. And I once counted and I moved 19 times in 10 years of my studies. This was a great time, but I'm happy that I don't have to move that much anymore. Um, so after starting to work in France for one year um, in a small consultancy that does cultural change, I came here to Germany and now I'm working at the CDTM and This is where I've been working for the last yeah, four years, basically. And this is a really special place. So I think I need to explain a little bit more about our organizational setup because I think it's quite unique. And um, it also will explain more of what I will talk about later, maybe. Um, because the CDTM is a, we're self-run with 10 doctoral students and we don't have a boss and we're responsible for the center and the study program that we run. So there's a lot of students here and us, the PhD students, and we are responsible for really everything from finances, ordering post-its, making sure that the students are happy, recruiting our new colleagues. Um, so all of this is in our hand. <clears throat> and since we don't have a boss, we also decided that uh, in our team, there's not going to be a boss. So um, 
with 10 people and we're all on equal hierarchy and there's no other level of hierarchy in our team. And um, this is very, very interesting and challenging, but this also opens up a lot of opportunities in terms of how you work and what you do and how you craft your own job. And this is really amazing. Um, exactly. And now the program is lasting about four years that I'm doing this PhD program. And during that time, I focused a lot on managing here all the operations. And now I'm more in the research phase where I focus on my PhD which is about entrepreneurship and social relationships inside of that. So very different topic, but also something that I'm very interested in. Wow. That is just such an amazing background. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, just to um, touch on the aspect, as I'm so interested in transferable skills from many different life modules and including living in different countries. Now you've shared You've lived in and studied and worked in so many different countries. So could you share with our listeners maybe some insights and transferable skills you have learned from having lived in so many different cultures? Yes, I think I think the main transferable skill is some kind of resilience to change and uncertainty. Because every time that you go somewhere new, um, this can be a different country or just a different city, um, you're confronted with a new reality that you need to adapt to. And this is obviously also needed in business. If you change role, if you change company, um, if you're exposed to a new situation that you've never met. So I think this is definitely the main thing that I took away from this is when something doesn't work out the way it should work out, I believe it will work out. I'm okay with it and I know how to handle it. So this, I think, is a very important yeah, transferable skill that you gain from moving around a lot. That's so interesting. And now one other aspect I've seen is that when I was doing my research about you, um, that you've studied for a year or two philosophy and economics. And so I'm a big believer in non-linear careers. And so I'm curious what these years studying um in philosophy and economics have, you know, taught you overall that have been helpful for your current career? <laughs> yeah, this is a great question. Um, so when I was done with this, so it was really only one year or even a little bit less. And um, when I was done with that, I did this after my bachelor's. I said, I learned more in this short time than I did in my bachelor's, um, which is obviously not completely true, but this philosophy in economics really taught me a way how to think um, because it was very, very structured and analytical. Um, I don't know if you and, and the listeners know uh, how structured logics are and it's basically like math, but you try to fill it with more concrete meaning in the world. So you do this math and um, try to be as clear as possible in your reading writing, speaking. And this is also what I think is necessary for all jobs like ours in the knowledge economy, where communication is key. You need to know what you're saying and how you say it so that other people understand it. And this, I think, is something where philosophy is really, this is basically one of their core competencies 
And this is also what I try to take from there and always refer back to when I'm thinking about structuring a thought, an email, something like this, um, that I try to be as clear as possible. And this is a type of thinking that I learned there. Thank you so much for sharing, Aaron. That's so fascinating that, you know, even though, as you said, it's been about a year or a little less that you did that and how that has impacted your future um, way of, you know, communicating, thinking about solving problems. It's really interesting. It was a really insightful time, I must say, very challenging because it was very different from studying business, which in my view is a little bit like learning vocabulary. So it's important that you know everything that is going on and that you understand what is logistics, what is marketing, how does it work, what do people do there? Um, but it's not as much training your thinking. And that's why I said also earlier that I learned more in, in this time, but this is just because I learned something completely different than I, what I had learned in my bachelor's. So interesting. And, you know, it is a perfect segue to my next question because you were talking about communication and um, you also were job sharing as, um, you know, head of your entrepreneurship lab. And I believe one of the key aspects of being successful in job sharing is really how to communicate with your partner. So could you share with our listeners a little bit more about why you became a job sharer and how, you know, how you communicate as a job sharer? So I didn't really know that I was a job sharer until a couple of months ago. So I did job sharing, but I wasn't aware that I was actually doing it. I just thought, oh, this is the way that we work here. Um, and now I realize that this is job sharing. So as head of entrepreneurship laboratory, me and a colleague, we were responsible for one course here um, in the study program. And being responsible for a course at our institution means that we have to acquire paying project partners, coach the student teams in the projects that they're doing, coordinate expert lecturers. So it's a big management managerial role that also has a lot of external touch points with students, with external lecturers, with external project partners, so paying companies. And um, I shared this position with a colleague and we communicated mainly, I think the main aspect when I think about the job sharing is that we shared an email address. So we had each our own email address, but we had one common email address that was forwarded to the two of us. And this is how we managed everything. When we got information from other channels like Slack or phone calls or WhatsApp, we always put it into email so that the other person would be aware of it. So we tried to be always in the loop of what the other person was doing because we really were responsible for the same thing. And even if we decided that one of us is responsible for this one account, for example, still the other person was in the loop for everything that happened and read all the emails. There's a lot of CCing, but this was really extremely powerful for us. So we only had like half an hour check-in every week or sometimes even less um, because everything went via this email. Um, we work, so the way that we work at the CDTM in the beginning is that we work four days a week on things related to the management of the course and of the program and of the institution and one day a week on our dissertation. 
So my colleague and I, we both had one day a week where we were not here. So we had three days of overlap. And during these three days, we had a lot of working meetings. And you asked in the beginning about the communication. And I think the most important aspect about the communication, in addition to what I said about our internal communication, is the communication to others, to externals, to externals, to our little job sharer team um, inside of the organization, but also obviously outside of the organization, because for them, it's, they don't really understand it. They don't really understand that they need to always write to this funny email address, which was elab at cdtm.de, entrepreneurship laboratory. And this was really educating them to always do so. And we always put ourselves back in CC and so on. Um, this was the main aspect, I think, that made it where the communication was really crucial. Communication towards the students, the project partners, that everybody knew, hey, we are one person. We speak with one voice. Well, we're not one person, but we speak with one voice for everything. And that no matter who of the two of us answers, this is the truth. And our communication so I, I actually had two job sharing partners um, first I did this for one and a half years with one colleague and then for one year with another colleague and um, with with both of them really we had after a short amount of time because we were involved in all the communication of the other person a high level of trust I mean we also hire the people here ourselves only so we ensure that there's a good cohesion in the team and similar values but this level of trust was obviously very important so that I knew when I'm not there also on holiday or business trips or just work normal dissertation I don't need to worry about anything because my colleague knows everything and will take care of everything and so this I think the communication inside and outside and then the trust um this really made the job sharing so worthwhile for myself. Thank you so much for sharing, because I think this is one of the key aspects, having trust in your job sharing partner. And therefore, when you are off, knowing that you really can be off because your partner is able to function just as well as you can and that you don't have to worry about Things and that you can go on vacation and that you basically have an equal level of, um, um, you know, of a partner who can do things just as well as you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And now, so when you reflect back before you started what you now know is job sharing, is there something you wish you would have known beforehand? I think to really understand that we have the same role um, could have helped to make sense a little bit more for myself, but also for others, what I'm actually doing. So in the beginning, I thought we have two roles and we're just doing the same stuff. And if I had known that this is job sharing, we have the same role, we are sharing the role, um, then I would have made it easier for me to think about what do I actually need to discuss with him? What should I discuss with others? Where does he need to be in the loop? Where not? 
um, to have a little bit more of an abstract idea of what I'm actually doing, um, I think would have helped me to reflect because back then I didn't really reflect about it at all. We were just like, okay, we have this common email address, let's go. And um, I think to take a little bit of a step back and understand, hey, we share the same role. We are basically one, I said it earlier already, one person. Um, mm -hmm. This would have helped me to, to think about it and to really make sense and to have a much easier experience also with how do I deal with the holidays, what we just mentioned, this trust. I had the trust, but I also still thought that I'm still responsible, even though I wasn't, because my job sharing partner then was responsible. And, and so what was maybe one of the most unexpected parts of that, um, you know, job sharing arrangement for you? I think the most unexpected part was really, or what I think about now, how well it worked. I'm now when I think about what job sharing is and that most people don't have this. Um, I'm actually um, surprised that not everybody is working like this. And um, what I really didn't expect that it would go so well, that it really is not go so well only in terms of our performance, but also in terms of how you feel. And the feeling that you get from working like this um, is a calmness that I didn't have in previous jobs. Um, because you just can re rely on someone and this person can rely on you and you have this little unit that is really for you central and all the other things cannot get in this little thing. That doesn't mean that we didn't have conflicts. Of course, we sometimes also had conflicts, but this was still only in our unit and it didn't go outside into the organization or somewhere else. But we were really closed and this was quite unexpected for me that this can actually work and work that well and give such a good feeling and good atmosphere and um, makes you really happy and home at work. That's just fantastic. And, you know, I think what is so important is to have role models. So people listening to us, hearing you and realizing, yes, it can work. And that, you know, I think often it is just maybe the fear of the unknown that people might be skeptical. Well, how can that work out? And how could there be trust established? And um, so it is wonderful to hear this. Thank you. Yes, and the two people with whom I shared the job, I didn't choose them by myself, but they were chosen by the whole team. So um, it's not like I chose somebody, I chose a friend that I knew before, but these were both people that I hadn't met ever before we started job sharing. And even though, even then, it worked out quite well with the establishment of trust. That That is really great to hear as well, because another, I would say, myth or misperception of job sharing is that oh it will only work if one has already worked together or one is a friend together or something like this so perfect that you know you are basically um demystifying that um concept so thank you very welcome <laughs>
Now we're going to switch something to some completely different topic, and which is, I have to say, it is awesome that in our conversation, we can touch on so many topics that are very dear to my heart and that I talk a lot with different people, different guests on my podcast. And so to right now, we're going to talk about the fact that you are currently taking an extended paternal leave. And um, for people who might not know this, typically in Germany, many dads might take a two-month paternal um, leave. And um, what was interesting, by doing my research, before you even started going on your paternal leave, you were already working in a part-time capacity. And so now I'd love to hear about your experience at, you know being on a paternal leave so far yes happily um so just maybe i can say a little bit about what happened um so basically the day that my daughter was born i went from 100 to 40 and worked two days a week um, because i wanted to first i was on holiday a little bit But then afterwards, I wanted to also be there for my partner, obviously. And this went on for like four months. And then my partner went back to work full time. She has been working full time since uh, my daughter was four and a half months old. And since then, I'm on parental leave, taking care of her mainly. And this experience is, 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm not telling anything new when I say, say that it's very exhausting um, but, <laughs> yeah. but otherwise it has been very very positive so um, I must say my colleagues were extremely supportive um, here in setting all of this up this 40% position right after the birth and then four months later the full-time parent to leave for as long as I want and I'm going back in October so after a total of four months of part-time and 11 months of full-time parental leave. And they were very supportive. My colleagues, um, my family and friends as well. Um, and it has been a really great experience from that perspective, but obviously also from the perspective that I can spend a lot of time with my daughter in the good and the bad or the good and the more difficult, challenging times. And um, this has just been, yeah, really great. What, what I see is that because you refer to what is normal in Germany, um, what I see is exactly this. Most parents, and I know a lot of progressive modern people, um, do this 12 months for the mother, two months for the father model um, that has been in existence since I think 2012 when the law was implemented that these two months exist in addition. And um, people find a lot of, yeah, have a lot of reasons for why the men don't take more parental leave than the two months. But my experience so far is that most of these reasons apply exactly the same for the mother. And so I'm, I'm very curious about this topic. I'm very, very interested in how this is going to pan out. And I'm also very happy that I can talk about this here on the show. Um, because I do think that we that men can uh, take a lot out of this time because it's so fulfilling 
to spend time with your children to really see them grow up and supporting your partner, obviously, at the same time. I couldn't agree more with you. And I feel many countries, you know, still have a long way to go. I mean, when we look at uh, the US where there is no federal um, parental leave to start off with, and even here in Canada where there, it exists, but again, um, even so there is paternal leave available, very few dads, I think, have taken something like you have described. And so what I'm curious about is when you reflect on your time with, um, you know, having spent with your daughter, what has been the most surprising aspect with this type of, um, you know, and uh, with this type of um, care work so far? Yes, the, the most surprising aspect has definitely been the pace of change, which is immense. You, you, you think you understood something and you have some kind of routine. And two weeks later, you have to completely change what you're doing. You have to completely change how you approach her. You have to completely change how you feed her, how you play with her. All of this is changing at a pace that I did not imagine I, I started out and every day I went out and walked and she was sleeping in this baby carrier. Um, I don't know how that's called in English uh, in front mm -hmm. of my chest. And I listened to podcasts and I thought, oh, this is nice. I'm going to listen to so many podcasts. And then four weeks later, there was no more sleeping during the day, but two or three times. And I had a lot of other things to do. And so the this this change that is always challenging me in my behavior, challenging me in my routines, uh, rethinking what I'm doing. Um, this is, I, I didn't expect this at all. And um, I also need to say that I'm very um, thankful that my partner uh, and I, yes, I'm on parental leave now uh, while she's working full time, but we're still sharing the care uh, very much. So she is taking care of my daughter also often because I still have a lot of engagements with my research or other things. So she's also often spending a lot of time with her by herself. And I think this is great because otherwise she could not understand what my day looks like because she doesn't know. She wouldn't know from back then the change is so fast that she has no idea but needs to check in every month to understand what is actually happening and this is something that I have observed also with other fathers um, who then after a couple of months took care of their children for the first time by themselves for a longer time than three hours that they then say oh my god this was the most exhausting day of my life <laughs> and, and this exhaustion could go down if you can get a routine but since you can't get a routine the exhaustion is somehow constant and um, this is something where I think that um, now it's mostly men but it would be the same for women if they wouldn't be exposed to it um, can't really appreciate how exhausting it actually is or how how challenging maybe exhaustion is the wrong word because uh, it is really great but it's really challenging as well 
Yeah, um, I was a stay-at-home mom for 11 years, so I can underline every word you're saying. And, it is, and it's sometimes hard because, you know, I feel unlike um, at work where you might have a project or a PowerPoint presentation. And so by the end of the day, you can say, okay, I have completed X things. Often um, looking after a young child, it, it doesn't feel there is something one can really show for or whether, you know, like, but it, even so it, it's sort of a more internal thing. One self might've grown because one was able to accomplish something, maybe whether that is calming down the child more quickly than maybe the day before mm-hmm. or things like this, but you're absolutely right. Explaining this or showing this to somebody else that is is not always that straightforward and easy. One has to really live it oneself. Yes. And what you said about you, you learned how to calm your child. Um, education is also always self-education. So I always think I also need to adapt my behavior strongly. And this is something where I am also there. I'm challenged every day because the behavior that I showed yesterday, maybe in two days, is not adequate anymore. So I need to change. I need to change at a pace that is also crazy. And there, the self-development, because you were talking about transferable skills earlier. Um, This is really something where you grow so much because you need to get used to this change and get used to you need to change, otherwise you will not be able to deal with it. Just as you said, what you shared in the beginning, how having lived in different cultures and countries and worked there and, and studied there really was a perfect setup, I feel, from a transferical <laughs> skills point of view to looking after your daughter. And then I I, I couldn't agree more with the self-awareness. I, you know, often people think of it, oh, it is a career break, but I truly feel it is a practical leadership course that includes self-awareness training. And um, yeah, often I feel like children also mirror one's self's behavior. And so it's, yeah, definitely it's something of one I feel I wish I would have had that training before (laughs) when I was a manager of a team. It would have really helped, I feel. And now, so I'm curious, um, what do you feel needs to happen that more men are going to take longer paternal leaves just like yourself? I think that what needs to happen is exactly the same that needs to happen that more women are in management positions. So we need role models. This is the most important thing. And then support from the other gender. Um, I think women becoming mothers also can be stronger in stepping up and saying, we share this 50-50. I know it's a little bit unfair (laughs) to put this again on the mothers, Um, but I think it is very, very difficult to find another solution for this. If you have the role models and your partner asks you to stay home long, then I don't know what else really should be, could be done because I'm not a big fan of saying all men now need to take as much time as Aaron because 
all partners are different. My wife um, wanted to go back to work very quickly. Um, she's mm -hmm. French, so there's a different culture, completely different than here in Germany. And right. so for us, this was the perfect model. I wanted to stay at home. She wanted to go back to work. But for others, it's not. And I think it, it really that's why the push needs to come out of the couple. The, the push that is facilitated by regulations like um, here in Germany, that it's you get additional money if the partner takes more than two months um, or something like this and role models. This helps, but in the end, the couple needs to decide what is the right thing for us in our concrete situation. And there, sorry again, there the mothers need to step up and say, I want you to stay at home longer. I want to go back to work. Um, so this, I think, is, is, is my thought on this. It's a very interesting topic. And I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I think it will take a while to see effective change. But I feel, you know, seeing role models, even if one, you know, cannot completely or doesn't, you know, can't completely imitate it, but just seeing men being able to take um, paternal leave for a longer period of time, you know, might make people realize it is possible because I, I think often here, especially in maybe North America, it is so often that, you know, dads are perceived even on advertising still like as the dad who is quote unquote, just helping out, mm -hmm. but doesn't really know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I think seeing that it is possible, seeing that can be done longer. I think that's a great start, but I agree having a internal at home conversation, it is critical. It is critical. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I now notice in terms of role modeling, I noticed that my friends who and colleagues who are not there yet, um, mm -hmm. they now after experiencing what we are doing, look at the topic very differently. So I can see that in our immediate surroundings, um, my long parent to leave has changed the conversation quite a bit. And also among parents that we now get to know, um, they say, hmm, why did we do it the way they were doing it? Can we still change it a little bit? So, um, I think this role modeling is really, I, I didn't believe so um, in the beginning, but now I can see how the conversations are changing around me. And so I, I really believe that this role modeling um, is, is very, very crucial. Exactly like how I started, it's exactly the same like with the women in the management positions. When you see, hey, your friend can have a management position, then you feel more like you can also do it. And this conversation that we had for women now, starting maybe 10 years ago or more, um, now needs to go exactly for men, but for care work. I, I completely agree. And, and you presented a perfect segue to my next question about women in management, because when I was researching about you, I came across a post that you shared about an um, Harvard Business Review article about gender proportionality principle and could you ex 
explain what that means to our listeners. Yes, happily. I, I love this principle. I love this thought. <clears throat> um, I was a little bit critical of the quota from women on boards because there's just not that many boards, but there's a lot of women. And there were always women who pushed through and now there's a couple more. Um, and these are oversubscribed, but the gender proportionality principle really tackles this. The gender proportionality principle really supports all women. Um, and how does it do it? It does not set a fixed quota at the top, but it says that the current quota on one management level needs to be the new quota for the next management level. That means if there's 40% women in one management level in the next round, 40% women need to be on the level above. So by this, we have some kind of a fair representation. Um, there's companies in Germany and it's worldwide, I'm sure at BMW, there's only 16% women working there. And at Fresenius, that's a healthcare company here in Germany, there's 67% women working there approximately. And to force these companies to have equal representation on board level, I don't know how useful this is. I think they should be representative of the company. And, and this is exactly what the gender proportionality principle is about. We tried, they try to have the gender representation that they have on the lowest level on all levels and do this like a cascade because this forces managers on all levels to make sure how do I make sure that in the next round, the women can be promoted? How do I make sure that the women that I have on my team right now will stay on my team and can get promoted? And here we talk about all these things, job sharing, flexible work, childcare, all of this needs to be ensured because otherwise these women are going to be lost for the manager and then he can't promote them on the next level, which he needs to do. And um, I think by pushing the responsibility down from board level, what we have now in, on EU level, boards have a quota, but pushing the responsibility down on the lowest level, this is, makes a lot of sense because at the lowest level, the people can actually do something about it. The non-executive board um, needs to hire 45 to 55-year-old CEOs. The Kita doesn't change anything anymore. Um, but it needs to be tackled much, much, much earlier when the mothers are between 25 and 35. Um, and then this is where they are lost. And this is where the gender proportionality principle can really support people, well, force people to support them in this critical time. And this, I think, is, is, is why I love this principle. Thank you very much for explaining this. And I will be sure to put um, the link to the post in the show notes as well. And, and I completely agree. We ultimately need a pipeline of, um, you know, managers from the beginning so that when it is time to come to a board level, there is a, you know, adequate representation possible. Yeah, exactly. So now, you know, we've been talking a lot about different aspects such as flexible work, such as paternal leave. If you look at 
you know, the future of work in the next five or 10 years and going towards gender equality, like, are there any other aspects or is there anything else you feel that needs to happen that isn't currently happening yet or, or not to the extent necessary? So ever since I learned about job sharing as a <clears throat> HR tool, let's put it like this, um, I am so convinced that this can play such a huge role in terms of happiness and gender equality in the workplace um, that I really think that this needs to be pushed and understand much, much more than it is today. And um, a lot of experiments uh, can happen there. I mean, what I said, me and my colleagues, we were working 100%, but um, we weren't working here physically 100%, mm, but we were sharing this one role that we had and this can go from 60 60 60% 60% work part time to 100% 100% to share a job can be anything but we try now here in our organization to do the job sharing everywhere because it's just much better for the organization and for the people so this i think now i'm a little bit also in a state of mind that i think about this topic a lot um, that I think this is uh, really crucial. Um, but otherwise, I think it's flexibility of work. Um, it's maybe also questioning, do people really need to work X hours to have the same salary as if they worked X minus five hours? Um, or do, the, do we pay differently? Because today we pay by time, even though we know um, that I'm talking about knowledge workers even though we know that knowledge workers don't perform 40 hours full, we know that they perform completely differently. And so the question also there is, how do we pay people? And how does all of this come together? And so I believe that in this new work area, there's so much still to explore. And in terms of, pay in terms of flexible work in terms of sharing the jobs um, that we're going to see a lot of experimentation in the next five to ten years and a lot of new things that we are not even talking about right now but um, yes I completely agree I feel we are in this big um, you know sort of revolutionary change because of the pandemic and because of all the ramifications from it and you know as who knows how long it is actually going to last and I feel like you know I, I'm not sure how it is in Germany but here I would say in North America I think many um, senior executives have been trying to get more employees back into the offices. Mm -hmm. And I would say to uh, maybe to some extent limited success because I think people have gotten very used to quote unquote the freedom of being able to do the work where they often feel maybe the most um, able to do it because they might be more in a flow because there is less um, noise or interruption around and not to even think about currently with the gas prices and 
that the lengthy commutes. Yeah. Totally. And I, I think this flexibilization of where do you work, when do you work? Um, right now I'm on parental leave, but I still, for this call, went to the office because in my office I have, it's calmer. I mean, it's night in Germany right now. Um, so there's nobody else here. Uh, the internet is better. It's all just, this is the right work atmosphere for me. But at the same time, when I want to do something, have an appointment during the day, then I'm just uh, need to leave. And um, this flexibilization and what I said earlier, we need to think about how do we think about hours and attendance and all of this um, is really crucial um, so that this flexibility is important. But I also think that offices are important because businesses are comprised, comprised of people and people need also physical interaction. And uh, it will be very interesting how this will develop in the next couple of years, months and years, actually, um, how we find the right balance. It's been so fascinating to talk with you, Aaron. So I just wanted to make sure, is there anything that you would like to share with our audience that we have not touched upon today? I think the main topic that are really close to my heart these days, like male parental leave and uh, job sharing, thinking about what is actually important and how do you, how does job sharing enable also equal care? Um, we didn't talk about this in detail, but these topics uh, I think are very crucial to make a happier workforce and better companies. So I think we talked about the most important things uh, already. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, how can people find you on social media? Uh, happily on my LinkedIn. That's the only media that I'm using, social or not. Um, but I'm relatively active. So feel free to find me there and send me a little message about what you liked. Because as I said, the role models, it's nice to to be a little role model but it's also nice to not be the only one so um but to hear about others and um see what they are doing and what one can learn from them we'll be sure to put your um link to your uh, linkedin profile into the show notes as well thank you and so i just wanted to say thank you again aaron it was such a interesting conversation we touched so many different topics thank you so much thank you so much for listening to the show we hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas to keep listening to future episodes please head over to itunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating we would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.